one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and it's one that everybody should memorize, um, Romans 12, verse 2. And it, uh, in this chapter, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the Christian life, and he's saying it's time to take responsibility for your life, it's time to grow up. And I would say to you this morning that the only way that you are going to get past where you are right now is if you learn how to stop making excuses for yourself. Would anybody agree to that? Okay, well, not, not too well. You're not sure about that. Well, we'll see what happens in a bit. But let me uh, say this, that the, the only way that things are going to change in your life, the only way that things are going to improve, get better, is if you learn how to live without excuses. If you can maybe uh, get a felt marker right on your living room wall. Oh, back up, please. If you could get a, get a, a, a marker and write on your wall no excuses or, or just get a stencil, something like that, and let that be a reminder to you. And uh, I'll be coming by your house to check to see if you listen to me or not. <laughs> uh, no excuses. No excuses for your... Your bad behavior, no excuses for the things that aren't right in your life, no excuses for the bad habits in your life. A Russian mayor, uh, fed up with the lack of, of discipline and the lack of order and the lack of advancement in his department, uh, he decided that uh, he was going to ban excuses from the workplace. And he made a list of excuses that could not be used by the civil servants anymore. And uh, uh, AP reports this on Saturday, uh, September the 1st, 2007. Alexander Kuzman, mayor of Mijin in western Siberia, said that officials must stop using phrases such as, I don't know, or there's no money, and it's lunchtime. Mr. Kuzman said city officials should tell or should help improve people's lives and solve their problems, not making excuses. The mayor's press office said the list consists of 27 forbidden phrases, including, uh, what am I supposed to do, or I'm not dealing with this, or we're having lunch, or the working day is over, or somebody else has the documents, or I think I was sick at the time. He said that if people use these phrases, that they could depend on immediate dismissal. And did it work? Yes, in fact, it did. It turned the city hall around, and that office began to be productive. Why? Because people were not allowed to make excuses. They were forced to take responsibility for themselves. And that, my friends, is the way you are going to see changes, transformation in your life, is when you stop making excuses for yourself or you stop blaming people. Now, there are some here today who may be feeling defeated. You might feel as though, you know, you're not, you're kind of spinning your wheels. You're stuck in a rut a little bit. Uh, life seems to be maybe at a bit of a dead end. Maybe you feel like you're on a treadmill, just going like crazy, but not getting anywhere. And there seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel. And you're asking the question this morning, how do I get off this ride? How do I stop this? There's only one way that that can happen, and that's for you and me to start taking responsibility for our lives without excuse. Now, Romans 12.2, this is where the Apostle Paul's um, fantastic instruction comes in. And if you'd just read that with me, please. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so many people just say, you know, I don't know what God wants. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what God's will is for my life, for our life, for our family, etc. And here's, here's what you need to do, is you need to follow the Apostle Paul's instructions. So I want to really focus in on the first part of that uh, verse. And first of all, I want to point out to you what the real problem is. The problem that each of us has. That person beside you has the same problem as you. And listen to what it says here. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Now the word conform, you see that word conform? Do not conform. In the Greek, it's, a, it's a, one of those 16-cylinder words. Siskametastathe, which means... Uh, and of course, we, we have a hard time translating it, but, but essentially what it's saying is uh, it's, it's talking about how you and I are configured. Do we have any computer specialists here? You understand what I mean when I talk about being configured or, uh, or programmed? Uh, it's like an operating system. That's probably the best way to describe it. Uh, and so here's the thing. Does anybody have Windows Vista? Anybody have that? Am I the only one? The rest don't. Did anybody have a computer here? Is it just me and a few others? Uh, Windows Vista's operating system. It makes me lose my sanctification almost every time I, I want to spit. And, uh, and uh, where I spit, it burns holes in the carpet. <laughs> I'm so upset. It doesn't work right. Um, essentially, that's what happened to you and me. At the time of Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3, our operating system was changed. We were reconfigured, we were reprogrammed, and we were programmed to make excuses. Isn't that, isn't that the way it is? If you go back to that, that uh, earliest record of human interaction, what do you discover? The very first record of human activities and interaction with God and with each other is excuses and assignment of blame. Did you notice that? That's, what, what, is, what does Eve say? Well, it wasn't my fault. It was, what did man say? It's not my fault. It's my wife's. It's you know, Eve's fault. And God, it's your fault because you created her. And Eve said, well, it's not my fault. It's my husband's fault. It's the snake's fault. But it's not my fault. It's nobody's fault. And so here's, here's what happens, folks, with, with every one of us. Because we've got this new operating system now that excuses ourselves. And where we make excuses and we blame other people. Uh, we carry on in old patterns. We carry on doing what we shouldn't ought to do. And so look what it says there. Paul says, Don't, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. In other words, change, you, need a, you need a new operating system is what, what he's saying. You need to give up Windows Vista and you need to get uh, Win, is it Windows 7 now. Uh, I'm going to just get rid of Windows altogether and get a Mac, I think. But this is, this is essentially what the Apostle Paul is saying. He said, your problem is your operating system, and you need a new one. You need to change. It needs to be transformed. And so when Adam and Eve sinned against God, what happened is they they introduced the sin virus, which messed up our operating system, and we've been reconfigured. We've been reprogrammed. We've got a virus in there that's just totally changed the way we operate. And the way we operate now is just to make excuses and to blame others. It's, that's the way we do it. If you're a parent here today and you've got kids, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's what we do. Well, it's not my fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. It's everybody's fault. But it's never my fault. It, you know what I'm talking about today? It's what we do. We make excuses. So what we need to do, according to the Apostle Paul, 
is we have got to get a new operating system. We've got to stop. We have to stop conforming to the pattern of this world. And the pattern of this world is, it's not my fault. I'm the victim. I am the victim. And even when I've done wrong, I'm still the victim. I was uh, reading about some incredibly uh, stupid lawsuits. Terrence Dickinson of Bristol, Pennsylvania, was leaving a house he had just finished robbing by way of the garage. He was not able to get the garage door to go up since the automatic door opener was malfunctioning, and he couldn't re-enter the house because the door connecting the house and the garage locked when he pulled, uh, pulled it shut. Now, the family was on vacation, and Mr. Dixon found himself locked in the garage for eight days. He subsisted on a case of Pepsi he found and a large bag of dry dog food. He, listen to this. He sued the homeowner's insurance, claiming the situation caused him undue mental anguish. And the jury agreed to the tune of $500,000. But, you know, you're, all, you're going, oh, you're sick. And you have, but we're all the same, aren't we? We make excuses for ourselves. It's, it's never our fault. And we go before God and say, God, it's not fair. And how come this and how come that? But, my friends, listen to me. The way that you're going to start to grow and start to change your situation is beginning to, it's, it's for you to begin to, to recognize what your pattern is. It's begin to recognize how you function, how you operate. And the way that we all function and operate is we tend to make excuses for ourselves. Now, the word excuse, um, the, if you do the, the study of that word, you discover that it means to clear from responsibility. That's what excuse means. It means it's, it's not my responsibility. You show me somebody who takes responsibility for his life, I'm going to show you somebody who is a success in whatever they do. The sooner that you learn to take responsibility for your life, where you're at in life, the sooner you're going to start to see success happen. Now, I'm going to ask you the question this morning. What excuses are you making today? What excuses are you making for where you are and what you're doing? And, and, and maybe another question would be this. Who are you blaming for your problems? Who are you blaming for where you're at right now? You know what? When you make an excuse, you know what you're doing? You're lying to yourself. Every time you make an excuse, every time you excuse yourself, you are actually telling yourself a lie. And uh, Joseph Goebbels, Hitler's propaganda minister, you know what he said? He said, if you tell a lie big enough, and if you keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. And guess what? That's what we, you start t- telling, you're making excuses. What you're doing is you're lying to yourself and it doesn't take long before you start to believe your own lie. And it becomes your reality, your truth. Lenin, father of communism, basically said the same thing. He said, a lie told often enough becomes truth. And so this morning, what you have to do is you have got to, to stop and look at your life. And see the way that you're living your life. And see if, in fact, you haven't just embraced that old operating system and said, you know what, I... I'm carrying on the way I am, or you've got to decide whether you're going to stop carrying on the way you are and embrace the new operating system. Does anybody know what the, old, what the new operating system is? It's Jesus, isn't it? That's why the Apostle Paul talks about the old Adam and talks about the new Adam. 
The old Adam gave us an operating system that leads to death. The new Adam, which, which, which is what Easter is all about, the new operating system, when you became a Christian, when you asked Jesus into your life, when you became transformed by the Spirit, you, you got a new operating system that leads to life. But here's our problem, is that we keep going back to the first Adam. And God's calling us to go to the second Adam, Jesus Christ. So that we'll stop lying to ourselves and start admitting, yeah, I got a problem. The mess I'm in right now is no one's fault but mine. And I don't care where you're at in your life. Maybe you're a mother, a father, a grandmother, grandfather, you're an employee, whatever. But the problems that, you got, that you're in right now, nine times out of ten, is problems that you've brought on yourself, and you've got to stop making excuses. You've got to embrace the reality that you are where you are because you haven't embraced Christ the way you ought to. Plain and simple as that. So that's the problem. This old operating system that makes excuses. I'm going to excuse myself. I'm going to excuse myself. Well, let's talk about a solution now. The Apostle Paul says... The solution to that excuse-making is to be transformed, to be changed, to become a new person. 79-year-old Stella Liebeck bought a 49-cent cup of coffee at McDonald's at a drive-thru. And some of you may remember this. She took that cup of coffee and placed the cup of coffee, the hot cup of coffee, between her knees and pulled the far side of the lid toward her to remove the lid so that she could add cream and sugar to her coffee. In the process... Stella spilled the entire cup of coffee on her lap. Now, look, I want to ask you a question right now. Was it McDonald's fault that she put a hot, unstable cup of coffee between her knees? Or was it her fault? Well, you know the answer, don't you? Guess what she does? She sues McDonald's restaurant for $2.9 million. She was awarded $640,000. And McDonald's coffee was deemed or considered defective, claiming that it was hotter and more likely to cause serious injury than coffee served elsewhere. North America, wow. Now, our problem is that we don't want to take responsibility for our lives or our actions. We love to play the blame game. And that's precisely what Stella, at age 79 years, was doing. Isn't that interesting? You think that the older you get, the smarter you get. Isn't that true? I just turned 48, and it's not true. <laughs> 79 years old, you think, man, this woman, by, by this age, would have a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of, of experience in life, and know that that's a real stupid move. My grandmother... She used to love to say, there's no fool like an old fool. <laughs> and isn't that the truth? Now listen this morning. How are we going to move away from blaming and move towards the solution to be transformed? Well, here's the thing, friends. What you have to do is you've got to make a decision to submit, listen to me, submit yourself to the transforming process that God wants to bring into your life. But most of us don't want to do that. We would rather go on making excuses and stay just the way we are and stay in the place that we are. This word transformed in the Greek is metamorphose. And it's the same word which we get the word from which we get the word metamorphosis. Anybody remember metamorphosis from 
was a grade six science or grade five science. And you know what happens? A little caterpillar climbs up a tree. And what does he do? He, that's right. You remember your science gets into, into the position, gets cocooned. And after he's in that, that state, what happens? He's transformed and he comes out a, a butterfly. Now here, listen, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart now. Because here's what so many of us try to do. We look at the way our lives are, and we don't like it. We're little caterpillars crawling on the ground, and we look at those beautiful butterflies flying in the sky, and we want to fly too, don't we? We would love to be up in the air. But I want to tell you, the way for you as a little caterpillar, as a little worm on the ground, is not for you to get elaborate um, flying systems or elaborate scaffolding. Could you just see a little, little caterpillar with a great big ladder trying to climb up to the top so he too can soar and be amongst the butterflies? That's man-made solution, and it's, it's not a very good solution. Would you agree that that's not the best way to, to be with the butterflies? The way that you are going to soar is by submitting yourself to the power of God in your life. And so that little caterpillar, understand this, was created to soar, was created to fly. I got news for you today. You were created to soar. You were created to fly. God has something very special for your life, and you have to submit to the process and allow him to change you and make you into the person he wants you to be. And can I say this to you? This is not a process that only happens when you turn 19 or 20. This is a process that goes on. Hopefully, it goes on to the day that you die. I loved watching my grandfather. He was 96 years old when he died. And you've heard me tell you this. I... I'd stay with him, and, and he would get out his Bible, and he would read his Bible. And he'd say, Alan, I generally read one chapter a day. And if I can't read that chapter, then there's something wrong with me. You could say, well, you know, he's in his 80s, he's 90, he's going to die soon. He doesn't need to be reading his Bible anymore. He's closer to God than anybody, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that he still wanted God to work in him, and he still wanted God to transform and to change him. And so the question then is this, what does God want to do in your life? What changes need to happen in you right now? I could give you a whole list of things that I want to see God change in my life, but I don't want to bore you with the details. But the question is, what does God want to do in your life? What transformation needs to take place in you? Well, the only way that that transformation is going to happen is that you're going to have to stop making excuses and submit yourself to God and allow him to do that work of changing. So here's what you got to do. <laughs> we know what the problem is. We make excuses. What's the solution? Stop making, stop making excuses. You have to embrace your problems and say, okay, what, what do I need to do to change? You got problems at work right now? I know. I know the... I know what you want to do. You want to blame your workmates, your boss, whatever. Have you stopped to consider yourself? What changes need to happen in your life? Have you considered that maybe you're the one who caused or maybe has not helped the situation? What do you need to change? Maybe you need to just show up to work with a smile, with a better attitude. Maybe you need to show up to work and think, 
with the, with the attitude that your boss is, is not Satan. <laughs> Maybe you need to show up to, to your family, to your kids, with the attitude that there is value in these kids and you do love them. But you are going to have to stop making excuses and take responsibility instead. That's what it means to no longer conform to the pattern of this world. You're going to start taking responsibility for your life. You're going to start taking responsibility for where you're at in your life right now. And it's only when you start taking responsibility for where you are right now in your life, whether it be as a parent or, like I said, as a grandparent, as, a, as, a, um, as an employee, whatever it may be, you've got to take responsibility and say, God, I recognize today that I've got some changing to do. And this is what we call repentance. What's the very first thing Jesus says when he starts his preaching ministry? In Matthew 4, 17, it says this, From that time, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Again, that word repent, at the root of that word is the, same, is the same root as the word for metamorphosis. Isn't that interesting? It's the same root of the word change. So if you're gonna if you're gonna be transformed, if you're gonna change, then you're gonna have to do what Jesus said. You gotta have to repent, and you have to gonna say, "Lord, here I am. It's me. I need to change. God, I need to change my attitude. Lord, I need to confess my sins to you." You must come to the place where you admit that it's not Eve's fault and it's not God's fault and it's not your wife's fault, your kid's fault, your son's fault. It's not McDonald's fault. It's your fault. Boy, that's a hard thing to say. Those may be the most difficult words any human being ever utters. It's my fault. And then the next difficult words for any human being to say is, I'm sorry. Are you willing to do that? If you're willing to do that, I'm going to guarantee you that you will begin to experience transformation and change in your life. Now, the Apostle Paul gives us the secret to this transformation. Because here's the thing. We will almost always revert to the old operating system. We will almost always revert to making excuses. If you are going to truly be able to embrace the change that needs to take place in your life, if you're truly going to be able to stop making excuses and take responsibilities, and you need one other thing, and I'm calling it this morning the secret, and it And the Apostle Paul calls it the renewing of your mind. Boy, we so easily do things that we should not do. We say things we should not say. Isn't that the truth? Uh, New to a town, a woman was eager to meet new people. So she decided that uh, she would go to the gym uh, with her husband. And she began to, you know, work the weights and moved around. And uh, her husband was out playing playing uh, racquetball at the gym, and she, she found another woman to talk to, and she got chit-chatting. She said, well, there's my husband over there. And the woman said, well, well which one? Well, the one over there playing uh, with, that, with that fat man. <laughs> and the other woman said, well, that fat man's my husband. <laughs> she knew in her heart, in her mind, she shouldn't have said that. But she did. I wonder how many times you and I say things and do things we know we ought not to say or do. We all, every one of us, has room for improvement, room for change. 
But the way that you're going to experience that change is by acknowledging and recognizing that change is needed. Now, most self-help books, most do-it-yourself books, have all kinds of suggestions and principles about what needs to change in your life. They'll tell you, go on a diet and, and uh, join a gym and stop eating certain foods and start exercising, stop watching TV. You know, you, you, you know all the things that need to change in your life. But the, the question is not what needs to change, it's how. How are you going to change? How is it going to be different? How is it going to be better for you? And you could stand up here right now and you could give a lecture and all the things you need to do differently. You, need, you know what needs to change. The difficulty is in doing it. Isn't that right? How are you going to get past where you are right now in your life? Well, that word renew, again, in the Greek, anakinosi, which trans, what we translate it as renewal or renewing. The literal translation is, is because we don't have a word in English to, to, to translate that accurately, it's the word apnu. Up, the word up, dash, newing, up newing. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. We, we've got to up new our minds. What, what's he saying here? I, I, I don't like the word renew because it's, it suggests a renovation. In other words, working with the old and kind of renovating the old house and making it look and feel better. But what the Apostle Paul's talking about is that it's a total, totally new operating system, a, a complete transformation, becoming a brand new you. We're talking about having a new mind. And so I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart right now. If you want to change your life, then what's going to have to happen is that you're going to have to up new your minds, get a new operating system. You're going to have to allow the Spirit of God to change it. That's the foundation on which transformation takes place, is by you getting the mind of Christ. You say, well, how do I get the mind of Christ? Well, you've only heard me speak on this about 1,400 uh, times, maybe more than that. I mean, it's, I, have, I have repeated this over and over again. But the only way to gain the mind of Christ is to work on the four R's of transformation. Ready? The four R's of transformation are, the first R is to repent. You need to come before God and you need to confess your need and you need to tell God your failings, your weaknesses, and the ways that you've fallen down. When you go into prayer, you find yourself blaming other people and blaming God and blaming your parents. Folks, that's, that's not, that doesn't wash with God. What you need to do is you need to come before God and repent and tell God about your shortcomings, your failings. You need to confess your need to God. You need to confess what, where you have failed. Not where your parents have failed, not where your sister, your brother, your boss has failed, but where you have failed. That's the first, that's the first step in, your, in the renewal of your mind. The second thing you need to do is you need to read the Word. You need to be in the habit of constantly reading the Word of God. I've seen people, like, like the video at the beginning of the message, that continue continue on milk, and they never get to the, to the meat of the Word of God. They never, they're never transformed. They're never changed. Where they are today is where they were 20 years ago, spiritually speaking. They've never, they've never grown up. Is that you, by the way? Are you the same place today that you were 10 years ago? The only way that you're going to be transformed, the only way your mind is going to change is by repenting, confessing your need to God, reading the Word, secondly. And the third R is you need to request or pray. 
You need to make a plea to God. You need to go before God and constantly tell the Lord where you're at and tell him what your needs are. This is what we call prayer. And that's what prayer is. is, I have heard people say to me, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Look, stop making it a difficult thing. It's a conversation with your Father in heaven. And that's what you need to do. You need to go before the Father on a daily basis and pray. And then fourthly, you need to enter into relationship with believers who also want to be transformed. Because here's the thing. Whoever you hang with, whoever you hang out with, is what you're going to become. It's just, it's a, it's, a, it's a law of the word of God that whoever you associate with, whoever you are with, is what you're going to become like. So if you are with people with bad attitudes, you're going to have a bad attitude. If you're with negative people, you're going to have a negative attitude. If you're with people making excuses, you're going to be a person making excuses. If you're with people who don't grow spiritually, then you're not going to grow spiritually. But if you want to be transformed, then you've got to repent, you've got to read the word, you've got to request from God what you need, and fourthly, you need to get into a relationship with believers who are on fire. Now, I just want to close with this. Last week, we celebrated Easter. And one of the words that God said, or Jesus said on the cross, is, it is finished. Do you know what that means, friends? It means that Jesus' job of reprogramming us has been completed. The new operating system is out. And you can get it. And you can have it. And you can function with it. That's, that's what Jesus' death on the cross is all about. It's all about your transformation and my transformation. And the work is done. And you need to come before God and say, God, I'm willing to submit myself to this reprogramming. I'm really, truly prepared to change. Leo Tolstoy said, everybody thinks of changing humanity and nobody thinks of changing himself. It's not, it's not your mother, not your brother, but it's you that needs transformation. Are you willing to say, God, here am I? Do that work in my life? Then you're going to have to recognize your tendency to make excuses, and you're going to have to start taking responsibility, and then you have to renew your life through repentance, reading the word, requesting help from God, and through relationship with believers. Look what that, look what that last verse I want to share with you is from John, 1 John 2, 28. And it says this, And now, children, stay with Christ, Live deeply in Christ. That's where your transformation comes from. Then we'll be ready for him when he appears, ready to receive him with open arms, with no cause for red-faced guilt or lame excuses when he arrives. What's it going to be like when you see Jesus face to face? Will you be red-faced, embarrassed, or will you be prepared for his return? Let's watch this last video, and then we'll close.